The story is told of two men who were trying to escape from an erupting volcano. As the fiery molten rock gushed out of its gaping crater, they fled in the only direction open to them. All went well until they came to a stream of hot smoking lava about 30 feet across. Sizing up their situation, they realized that their only hope was to get over that wide barrier. One of the men was old, the other was healthy and young. With a running start, they each tried to leap to safety. The older man went only a few feet through the air before falling into the bubbling mass. The younger, with his greater strength and skill, catapulted himself much further. Though he almost made it, he still missed the mark. It did not matter that he outdistanced his companion, for he too perished in the burning lava. Sin is falling short of a standard, the glory of God. Though some may fall short of the standard by far more, and others may fall short nonetheless, they all fall. And this takes us to our study for today. So please turn your Bibles to 1 John. We'll be conducting our study in chapter 1 and focusing on verses 8 through 10. Our message this morning is called Sin and Forgiveness. Before we consider our text, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your word today, guide me so that I may speak your truth and help us that we may meditate on your truth, Lord, and go out and Use those truths to show others the good news of your Son. And it's in your Son's name we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, our study today is in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-10. through 10. And the passage reads, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, he makes him a liar, and his word is not in us. So let's take a look at our first point. All have sinned. So let's take a look at what it says again in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you recall from our previous study, the false teachers John was warning about made claims of having a relationship with God, yet they walked. Darkness. John made it clear that light and darkness do not have any fellowship whatsoever. Now, these false teachers didn't stop at that. They also claimed to reach a level of sinlessness. This is a sure sign of heresy and false teaching as it goes against the truth found within Scripture. For example, Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So other men are Lord, other men are Savior, other than Jesus Christ, no one, that is absolutely no one, is sinless. Just like it says in Psalm 130, verse 3, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? The reality is that Christians are not perfect. So John the Baptist, and King David, and Moses, and Paul, and Peter, and even Jesus' mother Mary are not perfect. 
means Clement of Rome and Augustine of Hippo. Martin Luther, John Calvin, and Jonathan Edwards were not perfect. And that means Martin Lloyd Jones and Billy Graham and R.C. Sproul were not perfect. And that means current pastors like John Piper and Charles Stanley and John MacArthur are not perfect. That even means, as shocking as it may sound, and as hard to believe as it is, your current pastor is not perfect. The scriptures are very clear on this topic. All have sinned. Just look at what it says in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. To claim otherwise is to deceive ourselves. To claim otherwise is to lack the understanding that we are sinners saved from the wrath of God. To claim otherwise is to not see the need of a savior. To claim otherwise is to lack the understanding of the gospel message at its core. As these passages says, to claim otherwise is to realize that you do not have the truth in you. The truth found in scripture says that no one is righteous by their own merits. We all are in need of a savior to wash us and to renew us. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 5 verse 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This means that Jesus came to call those who know they are sinners and need repentance, and not those who do not acknowledge their sin. Paul in Romans makes the point clear that all are sinners, whether one be Jewish or Gentile. Church, take a look with me at Romans 3, verses 9 through 26. The passage reads, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not even one. You see there, Take a pause here real quick. When it says no, not even one, that is showing us that not even one, this is not a hyperbole, this is not an extreme example. This actually means not one person does this. Scripture is very clear and intentional. We continue from verse 13. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no man being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all we who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood 
to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So although we are sinners by grace, which is a free gift, we are forgiven. We are saved what we deserve. That is really incredible, church. To be forgiven by a holy God. Recall with me the beautiful words found in Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Along with this passage, please meditate on Ephesians 1, verse 7 through 8. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. In addition to God forgiving us, we must remember to forgive others for what they did to us, for he forgave us of a greater debt that we could never repay. Meditate on Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. This is to be on our minds at all times, as it is imperative in the life of the believer. Beloved, this is so important. Remember what Christ said in Matthew 6, verses 14 to 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We cannot hold a grudge against others and refuse to forgive others if we claim that God has heard our cry and forgiven us of our sins. For how many of us take joy in what God says in Hebrews verse 8 and 12? For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And also how joyful are we when we hear what the Lord says in Psalm 103 verse 21. Sorry, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So we must forgive others because we have been forgiven by God. I am just a sinner like you, sharing with you the wonderful truth found in God's word. We, as those forgiven, now live a totally different life than the life we lived before. We are made brand new. We no longer live wicked lives. We no longer live as slaves to sin. We are not sinless or perfect. But the goodness found in us now is only credited to the grace that God gave us. So understanding this truth, we must make a practice of confessing our sins this takes us to our next point. So we must confess our sins. Verse 9 of our passage reads, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we are truly born again, if we are genuine with our faith, then we understand that we are sinners that deserve God's wrath. 
we also understand that by God's mercy and grace, we do not get what we deserve. We also understand that it's by God's mercy and grace that all of this is happening. He's so merciful to us, patient with us, graceful to us, but we don't deserve it. So when we do sin, we are compelled out of love to God for what he has done for us to confess our shortcomings. You see below, the term confess means to say the same thing or to have the same attitude towards sin as God does. It means to acknowledge God's perspective about sin and not our own perspective or the world's perspective of sin. It doesn't matter how you view sin. It doesn't matter how the world views sin. When you really confess, that means you are seeing how God views sin taking that same attitude. We are to be mortified by our sin because this is an act of treason committed against the one true God. The words of Daniel seem very appropriate here. Daniel 9.5 it says, We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. But the God who saved us had mercy on us when we deserved hellfire. So we must join with the psalmist and live the words of Psalm 32, verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Remember, my brothers and sisters, we cannot hide our sins from a God who can see all things and knows all things. Our God is light, and he shines through on the darkness. You see, church, God being light means he uncovers and exposes those things that are lurking in the darkness. The saying in Proverbs 28, verse 13 is very true. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So as followers of his, we are to also walk in the light. So we must confess our sins and remember that he is faithful. And he forgives us. And he will have mercy on us. He will never turn away somebody who comes to him in humility. Now this is not a suggestion, beloved. This is a command of God. Take a look at what it says in James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. So make a practice of this church. Surround yourself with faithful brothers and sisters in Christ and confess your sins. Hold yourself accountable by being transparent in your struggles and shortcomings. It is God's design that we fellowship with one another. It's so important that we do this. We fellowship and confess our sins to one another. And ultimately, we confess our sins to God, for it is Him that we have committed the worst sin against. Remember what David said when he confessed his sins of the murder and the adultery that he committed? Psalm 51 4 says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, 
so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Now please understand that this seems like David is saying that he didn't sin against anybody but God. So some people think that he is saying that he didn't sin against others, but this isn't the case. David is saying that the sin committed against God is in a whole nother league compared to the sin that he did to everybody else. This excerpt from Leonard Ministries, Table Talk Magazine, does a great job of explaining this. The word only or alone is translated from the Hebrew word dead. It denotes an item that is in a class all by itself. No other is beside it or in addition to it. It does not necessarily, however, describe an item to the exclusion of other items. For example, we might say that Michael Jordan is all alone in a category all by himself, but that doesn't exclude the possibility that other basketball players can be classified as great. We're merely saying that Jordan exists in a domain of greatness all by himself. Elsewhere in the Old Testament, the word bed is used to designate God as being in a class by himself. For instance, Deuteronomy 4.35 states, To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Moses is not claiming that God alone exists to the exclusion of others existing. Only that God alone is in a way that no other being is. He is in a class all by himself. Further, the Bible elsewhere uses language of sinning against others. We can never sin against our own bodies. Or we, can, we can even sin against our own bodies. We also see that Jesus commends Zacchaeus for restoring the resources fourfold to those whom he defrauded. We could provide many other examples from Scripture referring to sinning against other humans too. With this in mind, David clearly is not making a theological case that transgressions are committed against God to the exclusion of all others. What he, so what does he mean then? Far from downplaying his sin, David actually highlights the heinousness of his sin. David knew that he appeared as a sinner in the holy courtroom of God. So even though David's vertical sin consisted of deep horizontal offenses, his sin was ultimately against the lawgiver. So it's important that we do not forget that our sins are not just offenses to others, but it is a major, major sin against our God. And therefore we must confess these sins and never take it lightly. Those who do not feel the need to confess because they do not think that they did anything wrong, well, they don't understand scripture at all. And this takes us to a final point, that these truths that we are talking about is based on the word of God. Verse 10 from our passage says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Church, let me be frank with you. It is not a good idea to try to make God out to be a liar. You see, when someone claims to have not sinned, they are countering all the truths that are found within God's word. 
They are making God out to be a liar so they can make themselves out to be something that they are definitely not. They are not sinless. This is a clear indication that the Word of God is not in them. And in addition to that, we know that the Holy Spirit does not live in them either. They are not born again, for the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, especially these truths that are so important. The people who claim this, they do not think that they need a Savior, but they are dead wrong. Because we, as we said before, all of us, every single one of us, has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. We know this to be true because of the Word of God. So as this message comes to a close, I want to share this. College freshman went to the dorm laundry room where his dirty clothes bundled into an old sweatshirt. But he was so embarrassed by how dirty his clothes were that he never opened the bundle. He merely pushed it into a washing machine, and when the machine stopped, pushed the bundle into a dryer, and finally took the still unopened bundle back to his room. He discovered, of course, that the clothes had gotten wet and then dried, but not clean. God, in a sense, says, don't keep your sins in a safe little bundle. He says, I want to do a thorough cleaning in your life, all dirty laundry of your life. So church, do not hide your sins. We have a God who is light, and he will expose the darkness. So confess your sins to one another. Confess them to God. And fear not, for we have a God who is faithful to his promises, and he will never, never reject someone who turns to him. To God be all the glory. Amen.